My mother taught me that confession is good for the soul. That was her word, Paul. Confession is good for your soul. So here's my first thing in the morning confession. I'm here uh, leading off a sermon series on evangelism on the topic of prayer. And yet, I don't consider myself an expert on either topic. It's an area, probably both are areas that I've pretty consistently in my own spiritual development considered work areas. I think we all have those, certain growth areas, certain things you've, you've got wired and you're doing well, but then there are others you just know every time you kind of look at it, you say, I could, I could do better in those areas. One of the areas I've worked on in recent decades and felt a developing success with is, is prayer. I have a prayer routine first thing in the morning that when I see begin with prayer, I, I think of. I get up, um, love to get up actually, and put the coffee on. I go outside with my jump rope and, uh, and I exercise, but it's more than just physical exercise. For me, it's a spiritual exercise of waking up to the day, thanking God for life and health. I, I say the Lord's prayer. I remember scriptures that I've memorized. I, I sing. I probably say more than sing while jumping. Uh, certain hymns that come to mind. Just enjoy the Lord for quite a while. And then my timer beeps. I've got 10 minutes left. So I start to pray for my family. And after five minutes, with five minutes left, my timer beeps again to warn me, and I shift into praying for myself, my day to come, and just kind of have that prayer routine wrapped around my exercise. I go inside at the end and have my mug of coffee, but I sit down, need to cool down quite a bit, have my time with God's Word, and then I open a journal, a practice that Gordon McDonald and Bill Hybels have both written about and encouraged me, and that is, I just start at the top of the page with the word yesterday, and I start to think through what happened yesterday, almost like a diary, and as I do so, I remember the good and thank God. I remember the bad and confess some of my reactions to it or my own bad behavior, and then I begin to ask God to take care of some of those areas that are still kind of in process, maybe things I'm facing this day. And so that journaling leads me to even more prayers and an opportunity just to start my day with God. And that feels so good. I love it. It's not work for me. It's become a delight. It works for me. It's not going to work for everybody. But beginning with prayer is a part of the way I orient my whole day with God. This morning we're talking about beginning the process of sharing the truth of Jesus Christ, sharing our faith in Him with others, beginning that with prayer. And the text is one that weaves both the importance of prayer and an urge to prayer, but also with the importance of partnering with God to to affect and bless this whole world with the good news of Jesus. In this text are six times that the word all or everyone, it's the same original word, six times show up in this text. And so I'm just going to point those out as we weave through this and try to grasp the encouragement that Paul is giving Timothy. And 
through Timothy to us this morning. Paul it says, first of all, then, first of all, and there's the first all. First of all, then, I urge prayers. Now, there are a number of different words, but he's saying, I want you to be praying, first of all. It's almost like he knew that for Timothy and for many of us, prayer is often the last thing we do after we've tried everything else and we're still kind of struggling. We think, well, maybe God can help me, and we shift into our prayer life. Paul's saying in the structure of this book, but I think also in our lives, let's pray first. Try that. Shake up the routine, and maybe even before we know what's happening and where things are going, we're, we're starting to orient our lives around God. Earlier this year in May, the church office, late one afternoon, got a phone call from the police station. Not an ordinary thing for us as a church. And Kirsten could tell that something serious had happened. I was on my way out, but I diverted my ride home and went to the police station, knowing that Kirsten picked up the fact that this was serious, and I remember leaving with the the sign of the cross from Kirsten, got in my car and said, you know, I think this is one of those times, God, where I need you. <laughs> I don't know what's happened, but my guess is it's not good. So would you go with me in full measure and help me to flesh out your presence and hope in whatever's happened? At the police station, I would be told that Andrea Urban was dead. And I wasn't told any details. I walked into a room of strangers, her family, in the shock of that grief. And I'm supposed to do something? <laughs> as a minister of the good news, as a pastor who doesn't even know these people except for Andrea's daughter, I was really glad I prayed first because I could just kind of settle in, get acquainted, see what's going on, read where everyone was, and... I did that because I had oriented myself before stepping in. I didn't have to pull out my prayer book once there. <gasps> oh, no, now I've got to pray. I prayed first. That's not always the case, but it was then, and I'm so thankful. Praying first for what? At the end of verse 1, Paul says, pray first for everyone. That's the second all. For everyone. Certainly for kings and all, there's the third, all in authority, that we may lead a, a certain peaceable life in all, there's the fourth all, in all godliness and dignity. So we're to pray certainly for those in authority. This is one of the great texts to make us uh, healthy, good citizens, is to pray for kings, but all those in authority, not just the highest, but all the levels of government. We should be praying for them because these people are making decisions for us that affect our lives and especially the peaceful life that we need in order both to worship in freedom and to share our faith without being against the law. We ought to be praying for governmental leaders. But if you notice, that's just a sub-point of what Paul is actually asking us to pray for. He's saying pray for everyone. Good kings, bad kings, 
good leaders in government, bad leaders in government, good leaders in any area of our lives, Christians, non-Christians, everybody, all ages, all races. He's saying, pray for everyone, every human being. There's no limit to what we could be praying for. Why? Because God's interested in every human coming to faith in Christ. Verse 3, God desires and for everyone, and there's our fifth, all, God desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Everyone, that's God's desire. I believe that wholeheartedly, and I also believe that in Scripture and in history and in my own experience, I can honestly say that God's desire isn't always realized, that not everybody does believe in Christ, and not everybody does accept this truth in Christ. Not everybody gains the eternal life that God offers. He desires it. He offers it. He wants it, and we join him in praying for it, but the truth is it doesn't always happen. And this has been a part of shaping my worldview. It says that God doesn't always get what he desires. It's a shocking thing. He desires that all would come and relate to him, but he's not going to violate their free will and their choice and the responsibility that each of us takes for those choices. That's the way he set up the world. He made himself vulnerable, and yet he lovingly offers us salvation. Will anybody take it? And in that offer of salvation, we get to join him in praying. If everyone was going to be saved, we, get, we don't need to waste our breath praying for them. But God desires them to be saved, and we start to join him in that desire and start to pray for them because we, too, would like everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. What is that truth? It's clearly stated in verses 5 and even 6. There's one God. That's, that's the teaching of the Old Testament summarized. One God and one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus himself human. There's only one person who's bridged the gap between holy God and sinful rebellion, rebelling humanity. And that's Christ, who is the eternal Son of God, who came to earth, took on human flesh, lived among us, and then laid down his life. In verse 6, gave himself a ransom for all. There's the sixth, all. Gave himself a ransom for all. What's fun to realize in this text is in all these alls, there are two ones, one God, one mediator. It's a reminder that the gospel, the good news that we offer to people, is both inclusive, it's for everyone. It's all are invited, but it's also exclusive. There's only one way to enter it, and that's through Jesus Christ, the one, the only one who is the Son of God. I love John 3.16, again says it so plainly, God loves the whole world, 
that he gave his one and only son. It's inclusive, and yet it's very exclusive. And to be able to communicate that clearly as we share the good news of Christ is, is important in our day. Christ gave himself for all. And as we pray for everyone to be saved, we're joining the very heart of God. That's what he wants. He's acted in that way. The one God wants everyone to be saved. The one mediator laid down his life as a ransom for all to be freed from slavery. And so in that context, we, we pray. But we also, I trust like Paul in verse 7, we're open to God calling us to be more than just prayers, but maybe communicators, sharers, who bless others even through the sharing verbally of our faith in Christ. Paul says he was a herald, an apostle, even a teacher of the Gentiles. And so I would say, even in our prayers, be open to the fact that God might be shaping you to take part in being a, a part of the answer through your own prayers. That's part of what God's doing as we pray. Well, you may be saying, okay, I, I'm willing to be a part of this praying for non-Christians, unbelievers in my life, but how are we going to do this? Well, I've given a little guidance in the bulletin itself, the worship order. I'm not going to go through all these texts if you're looking at your watch wondering at this time, is he going to pull off this out? No, I'm, I'm sending this with you. If you're wondering how to pray for someone who God brings to mind in these moments, um, pray first of all for their spiritual sight. You know, there's an enemy, the text tells us, who's, blind, who's blinded us. So let's pray for spiritual sight, for spiritual thirst, for a spiritual search that might begin, even for spiritual grief that causes us to realize how we've, we've wronged the God who, who made us and loved us, and that leads to repentance and salvation. Those are some things that I pull from the New Testament of how we can pray for an unbelieving friend or relative. But don't just pray for them. Pray for us. That's the second point. Pray for our heart's desire. Maybe you, you, like I often have to do, we just have to admit when we see people and we, even when we dislike some of their behavior, it's almost like the last thing we're thinking is that we want them to be saved. And so maybe we ought to be praying for our own heart's desire that we join God's desire. Pray for an open door to share whether it's in speech or in conduct. And I like letter D is to pray for others to come into this person's life and be part of the team effort. Have you noticed that? It's usually not just us alone, but there are others impacting the people we wish would come to faith in Christ. There are others, and so let's pray for the team effort that God wants to build. And then I also say, pray for God's work, for the Father to draw them to himself, for the Holy Spirit to convict them, for the Son to give them life. Those are just some themes that I take from these scriptures as things we could pray for. That's the what of our prayer. But what about the who? That's where I'd like you to take the insert if you 
humor me for just these closing moments. In the beginning, or in the middle of the insert, right at the bottom, is a diagram of a praying person with circles of influence. Notice the circles of influence include friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, co-workers. You could add to that list whatever description you need. But I would encourage you to start to think about who are some of the people I know. And as far as I know, we can't read hearts. Have you, have you realized that? As far as we know, they have no faith in God, in Christ. And I want to start to pray for these people. Um, maybe you've already been praying for some, and you can just formalize that, because what I'm asking you to do is think of those names, write them on the two bookmarks to the right. One is a bookmark that you'll keep. The other I'm going to ask you to tear off and, and bring to the church so we can join you in praying for these people. If you want to just put initials or first names for confidentiality, do that. We're not going to publish this abroad, but we would just like to know who you are praying for and join you in that. Be part of the team with you. you I would ask you to at least start it this morning. Maybe start to pray, who are some of the people I could pray for? Be open to that, and if you, if you know and think of three to five people right away that you want to be praying for, you might tear that off. And during the singing of the last hymn here in a few moments, just bring it forward. I'm going to bring this stool down. In fact, I'll do it now. Bring the stool down with, with this offering plate. And while we're singing about bringing the world to Christ, you can just bring your list forward. If you don't want to do that this morning, and you want to take it home as homework, we'll provide a way for you to bring that in the days and weeks to come. So um, just get it started. Ruth's going to come and play quietly our closing hymn, and then she'll draw us in to, to stand. When you hear the, uh, the volume go up, stand with me to sing our closing hymn. But take a few moments just to pray. And before we do, let me pray for us. God, we want to begin with prayer. So I would ask that you bring to each one of us the names of people that you would have us pray for. We know your heart's desire. Would you start to develop that in us? Help us to see maybe some people that you would like to bless in ways we can't even imagine. So bring those names, those faces to mind, I pray in Christ's name.